0: Been on a plane lately?
1: I honestly have not. And given all the stuff that's in the news, I'm pretty happy that I haven't been on the plane lately.
0: I don't know how good that makes me feel about being in a giant canister flying through the air. If they're scheduling and you know coordination systems and things like that are this outdated. I always think
1: about air travel as we took the concept
0: of buses and we put wings on them. Back in the day, people used to wear suits and it was like a whole thing. You know, now it's just... What animal can I pass off as a therapy pet? And I might change clothes before coming to the airport. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now here are your hosts. Welcome to episode number 312 of Touchpoint. That's Chris Boyer and I am Reed Smith.
1: Good to be recording the first show of the new year and we promise to have a much better experience with this podcast than if we would be flying in a plane. Although some listening in are flying on a plane while they're listening to the show,
0: sounds like you could have listened to most of our back catalog over the last, you know, <laughs> few weeks. But I'm not sure if that'd be good or bad. No, we appreciate all the support, certainly. And and with this being, is this the first episode of 23? We're not actually recording this in the calendar year 23, but I guess it is coming to you, the listener, for the first time at least, um, in the calendar year 23, which is calendar year 7. It's hard to believe. Thank you so much for all the support. We certainly appreciate it. Quick plug for the website, touchpoint.health. If you navigate over there, you will find something called the TPS report that you can sign up for. And in addition to hearing us on a weekly basis on Wednesdays, on Mondays, you can get it in written word, if you will. But uh, it's just a few links to some articles to kick off your week. Hopefully you'll find that valuable. Just a little value add for those that are supporters of the show. We'll give you a a brief moment to pause and jump over on your technology platform of choice and uh, sign up for the TPS report. And then we're back with today's show.
1: And build a reputation that performs for you. So I think today's episode is aptly named Reed because it is indeed true. Everything is the experience, everything that happens between a customer, a potential customer, an employee, or whatever, and a brand or an organization. It's all about the experience.
0: It is. And we're talking about like the experience. Would that be like with a capital E or something like that? I think you have an experience, right? It's like the experience you have with a brand or with a business or an individual or something like that. Not that you can't have sub experiences. This was great. That was bad. You know, that, that kind of thing. We were just talking about, you know, the airline industry, the experience of the flight itself may be fine the delays or something could be bad or maybe the turbulence was really bad so the flight wasn't all that enjoyable everything else ran smooth you know so i mean you can you can have some i guess good and bad experiences within the broader experience but we're kind of talking about the the broader experience everything we do is part of that
1: well everything we do should be impacting the experience and maybe we can redefine the capital e experience as being those things that we're trying to actively do to improve the way our our customers and all of our audiences interact with us. That's the vantage point that you and I come to the table every day in our jobs is we're here about trying to positively affect
0: the capital E experience. Yeah. So, you know, what we're going to talk about today is this idea of uh, the Consumer Experience Center. And we're not trying to make a play on the idea that we need a chief experience officer. Uh, we did that, uh, and I'm sure some organizations still have them, and I'm not saying it's a bad role. It's kind of like any other role within the organization is how you know how is it used, how important is it to the organization and prioritized and that kind of thing. But we're not making the case that like, okay, we need a chief experience officer. Mm-hmm. Maybe you do. Maybe that's the conclusion you come to by the end of this conversation or internally or something like that. But that's that's not really the point here. But when we talk about the Consumer Experience Center, a couple of things that it's not, um, so this is not, you know, we're going to go through some definitions, and so I just want to set the stage a little bit here. It's it's not the CRM in and of itself, right, or not just the CRM.
1: When you first talk about Consumer Experience Center, you, you might want to go to the fact that it's like, oh, it's your CRM, and your
0: CRM is tracking everything that happens. But you're right, it's really not just that. No, and it's not the call center or contact center or what, you know, in some organizations may not have those and and that's okay. Or maybe it's a little bit different, you know, just talking to, you know, directly to the department or the clinic or something like that. But it's not that, right? Right. It's not the people that are answering the phones and scheduling appointments. Uh, Again, that's part of it, um, but that's, that's not holistically what we're talking about here. Yeah, in fact, what we're saying, it's really not even a, a single piece of technology, right, that's out there.
1: There may be some vendors in our space right now that want to claim that they own a, a big part of that customer experience center. And that may be true, right? There are some some technology partners, but in our experience, and if you work in any health system across the country, it's probably multiple different pieces of technology, as well as manual processes and other things that kind of come together around this, right?
0: Yeah. So it's, it's really all of this stuff, you know, you kind of have to have all of these things, like it's gonna be hard to do this without a CRM, right? Uh, It's gonna be hard to do this without real life people talking to uh, the consumer. It's gonna be hard to, do it without technology that kind of weaves and ties all of these things together. But it's not just that, right? So we're not, again, we're not trying to make the case of like, there's a better CRM to go by, you know, or something like that.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about those common elements. And Reed, you and I have talked about these in other shows before. Sort of the common elements that from our vantage point, we see as being pulled together to develop this CEC, this new three-letter
0: acronym that we've created. So, first and foremost, we've talked about it quite a bit. Was this episode one? I'm trying to remember... I think it was. The consumer journey. It's very simply, again, we're not going to dig in uh, super deep on any of these. Uh, The consumer journey is just simply outlining the different steps a consumer takes to become a consumer or patient. Uh, And that doesn't mean new patient. Uh, It just means, you know, the journey that they take to receive services.
1: Yeah, I would say that if you don't understand your consumer and understand their journey, Developing a consumer engagement center is probably a lost cause because you're not really, you you have to understand what you're building in order to make that happen. So definitely the consumer journey. Another thing that is is part of this is this whole concept of the digital front door. Digital front door is itself a strategy to engage patients at every touchpoint of their journey. And that can include things like websites and online appointment scheduling and all of these other digital elements. That certainly is part of this overall strategy.
0: And along those lines, uh, we've, we've already mentioned it, but the CRM, you do have to have a CRM. And that, again like we've talked about, this is not just a piece of technology. It's most commonly probably thought of that way, but it's also a strategy, right? About how you manage the relationships and the interactions you have with your current and even potential uh, consumers that are in your markets. So again, you've got to have that both from a technology standpoint and kind of a philosophy of of tracking uh, those interactions. Another critical component of this is also the
1: consumer experience platform. Now this is the technology and it could be multiple technologies as we referred to before. This will allow us as organizations to be able to measure, manage, and improve the experience. You want to have the technology in place to be able to measure how that's working. Together, if you collect all that information, then you can analyze it and interpret it.
0: Finally, what we're kind of leading up to, you know, the consumer experience center. So really an integrated process. Um, And, you know, I don't want people to get distracted by the word center either. Like it doesn't have to be a physical location somewhere, but it is an integrated communication system that really coordinates all of this. So if you think about telephone calls and all the e-contacts that you make, whether it be email or text message, even the self-service components that you mentioned in the digital front door side. So taking all of that, that we just talked about, and having that as really kind of that layer, that orchestration layer between the organization and the consumer. I think all of that makes
1: sense conceptually. But, of course, that's a really hard and complicated concept to bring forward. And when we're talking about this with other stakeholders in the organization, I think a lot of times it gets it's still people try to want to pigeonhole it back to a particular thing. Like, isn't this all just, is this access strategy? Is this a website strategy? Right. Is this, you know, it's not all of that. There's a lot more to this that does it make it very complicated. And so in order to help us advance
0: this concept, you and I are today, we're going to unfold it, unpack it a little bit here. Yeah, you're right. I, and I think it is broadly, if you want to define it that way about access and we've had patient access departments, or have them. How often does the marketing folks talk to them? Not often. Never. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so anyway, so again, we'll we'll kind of we'll kind of walk through and and really look at this. Where I think. Uh, And again, we'll link to some of these articles, but found this neat article over at superoffice.com. They're a
1: product company, but they wrote a really good blog post that was called How a Customer Experience Strategy Helps to Scale Revenue Growth and Achieve Profitability.
0: And the three main components they call out, as we've kind of talked in and around, in creating a consumer experience strategy is discovery, engagement, and delivery. And I don't know that I totally disagree. I think there may be one more component there around insights or something, you know, kind of on the analytical end that's informing kind of that rinse and repeat uh, loop, if you will. But I do think the experience strategy is uh, wholly uh, around the discovery. So even around acquisition could fall in there, right? Engagement and and then delivery. Yeah. Yeah, for
1: sure. And that's an important nuance there, right? And I know in our, I guess in our end of the year episode, you and I talked about how we need to as marketers, we need to go past the across the entire customer journey, not just focus on the, the front part, the discovery part of this. So when we talk about discovery here, it's not only new patients, which marketing typically dabbles their fingers in, but it's also existing patients patients, as existing people that have interactions with us, we need to look holistically across all of those things. So Reed, what are some of those main objectives when we're developing this kind of customer or a consumer experience management environment?
0: And, and again, I, I want to say one thing too. I, I do think it's really funny. And I think we've said this on previous shows that <clears throat> as marketers, we have predominantly been involved in focus on acquisition. Uh, but really, you know, I'm not so sure that we shouldn't be looking more at some of the care gap pieces and the reactivation and leakage side. For us at our organization, we already engage our local communities pretty well, right? So the idea is to better serve them holistically, uh, not just trying to acquire new new customers. And so again, you're trying to kind of think through what that experience looks like. This article talks about the fact that the main objective of of consumer experience management is to improve the interactions a customer has with the brand. If you think about that, that means we're already having interactions. So how do you just
1: make (laughs) it better, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, that we're already having those interactions. And again, in in the effort here to not to virtue signal, obviously we want to improve the experiences of customers and um, new customers with our organization. But it's really about understanding that journey, like we talked about, and being able to quantify that into value-added experiences, right? You want to understand the quality of the experience that you think you deliver versus the experience you actually deliver. And the whole point there is, is to understand where the potential gaps are. That's right. That's not just from technology, right? You have to also understand your customer really well too. And a lot of times organizations have forget that, you know, maybe the the right experience. I was just standing up a a digital front door strategy for one of our service lines and you know, we thought, oh, well, we create this online appointment scheduling, it's going to make their lives that much easier. Well, no surprise, it was the digital front door strategy also had an offline component of it. They wanted a phone number and they actually started leveraging that phone number more than we anticipated. How would we have known that if, if we didn't ask our customer if we didn't have that option for our customer and be able to measure that, right? So you have to be able to understand those gaps and, and where you can start to fill those gaps.
0: That's a really good example of the idea of secret shopping, I mean, have you gone and actually tried these experiences? Yeah, exactly. Because again, I think we find ourselves a lot of times saying like, no, 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 we've got online scheduling or we have, you know, on-demand video visits. It's like, well, have you tried to launch one? Have you tried an on-demand video visit? Either maybe there's way too many clicks or there's never a provider available or, you know, whatever. Right. So it's just as a moniker, we have it. Yes, we do that. Check. But, you know, is it really the experience that we want it to be? Also, in this article, they talk about the difference between CRM and CXM or the, the, the um, you know, customer relationship management versus the you know, customer experience management. So they both, they say, focus on the consumer and improving their experiences. But again, CRM is a platform used to keep track of a, the consumer. And CXM is a strategic goal for the entire organization. So again, I thought a pretty good delineation between, you know, you need them both. This is not just a new acronym for what we've historically called, you know, CRM. So clearly what we're talking about is a pretty complicated
1: strategy. Let's take a brief pause here, Reed. and when we come back, let's dive into a little bit more about what this all means. We'll talk about some of the design principles behind uh, developing a strategy here and also some of the some of the things that we've uncovered that we feel are going to be successful as you start to create a consumer experience strategy for your organization right after this break.
0: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. We've, we've kind of set the stage, I guess, and talked a little bit about, you know, some of the terms that we've uh, had shows around, quite honestly, but things that we're focused on as an industry, as, as uh, uh, folks that, that lead some of these uh, uh, parts of the organization. But the CXC, the, the Consumer Experience Center, it is a little more holistic than that, right? Like it's not squarely in the marketing department, you know, it can be pretty broad and stretch across a number of parts of the organization, and so thinking about that, it's like, well, how do you, how do you design an experience center? Like, what, what does that look like? I found a good article from Future Visual called uh, Consumer Experience Centers, Driving Growth Through Better Relationships. And there's a segment in that article around kind of design principles. And I think the design principles are going to be very
1: important. Uh, t- when we go into this, you're right, Reed. I-, I think that this is not coming from the marketing suite, which is sometimes hard to be, as you and I, we found in our experiences when we show up and start to talk about things of this nature the first thing that happens is it blows people's minds right they're like wait what what are you talking about this is much bigger than what you're doing aren't you just doing advertising is that what you guys do like why are you talking about the customer this way well to be fair that is what
0: we've historically done is advertising so uh And so this is our opportunity to kind of maybe reset on some of that too. Exactly. Exactly. So knowing some design principles
1: here, actually in our experience have found that we have found that to be very successful in order to get buy-in and alignment. I have often, you know, have defaulted in meetings. Well, what's the right thing for our customer? What's the right thing for our patient? What's the right thing? And that kind of is like, it, it, it gets you out of the you know, you're just the marketing person that gets you into more talking about the actual because everybody's invested in that consumer. Right. So that's the first design principle is right. Remember, that's all about your customer or your consumer, or your audience. If you know them and you want to understand them, you want to be able to provide them those personalized experiences, this is. In order to do this, you have to get to understand what their needs are. And this is where a lot of that work around um, market research and understanding our audiences and all of that kind of play into this.
0: It does. And this is where hopefully you can get away from uh, personal preference, what people want to do within the organization or, ooh, this would be cool. And it's like, yeah, but that's not what our consumer wants. Second thing they've got on the list here, uh, reflecting the brand values want to be able to tell the story of the company in a way that connects in a meaningful way with the customer. So again, should, you know, this should be a reflection of who you are. Actually, I would, I would almost challenge and say, it really doesn't matter what you try to put forth. It will reflect who you are because if you make this important, if you, if you put enough emphasis on this, then yes, it will, take a certain tone and be able to convey the values of the organization that you want. And if you don't make this important, it's going to convey (laughs) those values too, right? So it's going to (laughs) convey values of the organization or the importance of the organization that's putting on it.
1: It also gives you a good sense of focus too. As an organization, we may not be able to solve the entire health and wellness aspect of patient care, if we're focusing, it gives us the focus around delivering on what our brand promises as an organization. So depending on which, what type of health system you're, you're in, it allows you to kind of align that to that brand value and incidentally reinforce your brand value. So value add to us as marketers then you get into the the fun part which is planning the customer journey right and here here we're getting into customer journey mapping and all those other fun things but in order to do this i think that you you want to make sure that this is not just from your marketing vantage point again remember the customer journey is goes across multiple different departments so to speak in your organization you have to involve the right stakeholders into this you as a marketer as being the marketing person representing that in your discussion you should be advocating for what your customer wants but you also have to understand the other operational nuances involved to that so you can map out an Existing or realistic journey,
0: making it comfortable. Um, I, this is kind of an interesting design principle. I think for me, I, I, when I looked at this list, I was like, I don't really know what that means. Like, well, <laughs> make it <comfortable>, you know? <laughs> but but I think really the idea here is, you know, how do you have a coordinated experience? Be, because again, uh, back to that idea of like, you know, nope, we've got online scheduling. Yep. patient portal, yep, physician directory, on-demand video visits. We have all these things, right? But do they work together? You know, if I called into the contact center today, would they know about my chat session that I just had on the website? Probably not, you know. So, again, like how do you make things seamless, to use some of their words, where the consumer feels like you know who they are? That's how you make somebody feel comfortable right is that you've got some sense of understanding of them and that that understanding is again through your first
1: party research that you've done it could also be based on historical insights that your call center your clinical leaders and others can bring to the table right all of that stuff comes into this only then when you do all of that is it time to ensure that you're choosing the right technology to meet the job. You and I both know that there's a lot of technology out there and many of them claim to, you know, maybe soup to nuts, be able to solve this problem, but that's not necessarily true in our environments. There's a lot of different technology components that are involved in a solution.
0: like So don't choose the technology first.
1: Is that what you're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Don't let the technology Mm -hmm. lead the strategy.
0: strategy, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, it, it is. And this is where hopefully, you know, if you've done these other things, it gets you away from the shiny object syndrome or just seeing something really cool at a conference that, you know, oh we got to have one of those, you know, kind of things. Chatbot. We need a chatbot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I, I think, again, I, I'm not going to say any of those things are terribly wrong decisions. Right. I mean, we're seeing the industry get to a place that, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's There's a use case for chat for example, or online scale, all the self-service capabilities. So it's like, okay, cool. All right. Well, now how do we make that back to making, you know, to make it more comfortable? you know, kind of that seamless, you know, piece. How do we make all this stuff work together? Well, what you have may not be the right solution. So doing those other things and then, yeah. And then choosing the technology, you know, certainly makes, uh, make things run a little bit, a little bit smoother. Well, you know, and we're not here to pick on chatbots per se. Chatbots do have a place. No, but- I, again, I think chat's a great solution. So now that you know that that has a use case, uh, and maybe you have the exact right solution today. Maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so yeah, um, I think, and you can make that case about well, a lot of stuff, you know, CRM or reputation management or any of these kind of, you know, SaaS platforms that you've, you know, bought over the years, so... Next on the list, uh, they call it bringing your employees on the CEC journey. This is important. So stakeholder buy-in from employees. Certainly the leadership has to be bought in or you wouldn't be this far down the track. But you've got to really sit with them and understand uh, not just the consumer experience, but their experience delivering on that consumer experience. So again, the easy one to point to is someone in a contact center or maybe a scheduler in a physician's office or something like that that's talking to new and existing patients all day long. It's really interesting to sit there and go... So, hey, this whiteboard over here with all this stuff all over, what is that for? And it's like, oh, well, you know, all these doctors have different preferences. And it's like, is this documented anywhere? Yeah, right there on that board. And you're like, oh, gosh, like this is the only place this exists? (laughs) What if somebody bumped into this board? You know, And so just starting to understand uh, and making them part of the process, I think, um, is really important. Well, yeah, not only, I
1: mean, obviously – Customer experience and employee experience are integrally tied together, right? I think that's an important piece here. Remember, your employees are typically the ones that deliver on that customer experience at the end of the day, right? So again, aligning them all together makes a whole lot of sense in our space. Then lastly, and the last design principle is about future-proofing. So this is where it gets tricky too. You don't want to lock yourself into a black box. Not to pick on any technology vendors, but your patient portal technology is not your consumer experience platform. You have to be able to get yourself in an environment where you can have an easily updated and, and adaptable environment, multiple technology platforms, maybe hybrid environments. There's you know, nothing's Again, as we talked about, there's no one piece of technology that solves this problem, but you have to plan for the, fle- for flexibility for the future. Because as we all know, uh, over these last couple of years, Things change. Consumer expectations change. The way consumers interact with care can change. You want to do your best as possible to try to
0: future-proof yourself for that. That's easier said than done, though. Future-proofing is a tough topic, uh, regardless of what you're talking about. So, in this case, yeah, I mean, there's so many moving parts and pieces and departments and stakeholders that that's uh, it needs to be an ongoing conversation. Pulling all this
1: together, we make it sound really simple, right? Like, here, write down these five different design <laughs> principles. Yeah. And and outline all your technology. It's not that easy, but there is a lot of value you can bring to your organization. And I know, Reed, you've been sorting starting to map this out over your organization. And I know I've done some work here too. I think that it's important for us to talk about sort of this added value that we can bring to the organization. Price Waterhouse Cooper actually wrote a have a really good uh, website. We'll link to it in the show notes that says, Welcome to the Experience Center. And in it, They kind of outline, by doing this the right way, not only are you going to realize transformative change with your customers, but your employee experience is going to to benefit from this as well. And together, those things can lead to a much more emotional connectiveness between patients and employees to your brand. And it's going to actually not only... positively impact your financial results because you're going to kind of streamline and improve access and all these other things. But it's going to actually build a tighter bond between, um, again, your employees and customers to your organization
0: and to your brand. It's interesting. Um, I, I don't know that I've ever thought about, you know, consumer experience versus employee experience into, you know, as that relates to like, you know, a single strategy. It makes a ton of sense. I mean, it really does. So I, I think it, it's interesting to think about that. And again, back to that call center example earlier, I mean, that's part of that. So I mean, you can build the coolest you know, front end, uh, for lack of a better word. But again, if you're not engaging uh, the employees and kind of their use cases and things like that, it doesn't, doesn't really work. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: What are some tips or some maybe ways that we can that we could share with people to ensure that we're successful with
0: yeah. So, you know, kind of rounding this out and maybe putting a button on this, at least for now, you mentioned that, you know, we have been doing a lot of this work internally. And part of that has been conversations with the Chartist group, which we share a fair amount of their content in, in our uh, weekly TPS uh, report and different things like that. And so they're for those that have been following along for a while, have probably seen some of their content, and they're, they're great. But th- they've got, there's a slide of theirs that I, I thought was really interesting, uh, and they title it Key Levers to Realize and Sustain Results. And so it's kind of in, in relation to this kind of broader access idea. And So I thought it'd be interesting to just kind of walk through these four pieces, because I do, I think this gives you a pretty clear takeaway of you know what you need uh, in place to to ensure that this this actually works. So the first thing they talk about is governance. Um, so having you know oversight uh, of this, you know what what stakeholders involved. How do you? Uh, structure and make decisions. So everybody's on the same page. Again, this goes back to this idea that like, this isn't just like a marketing thing. That's really important. And even if it's marketing as the executive sponsor,
1: and by the way, in our world here, we don't believe that marketing should be the sole executive sponsor of these strategies, right? You need to build some of that cross functionality, but even if that's the case, right? Having this governance, this leadership and and oversight really helps to advance these strategies. I will personally uh, advocate for, even though it makes uh, these initiatives much more complicated and slower sometimes to get off the ground is develop some sort of like advisory board or some kind of, uh, you know, group internally, representing multiple disciplinaries across your organization.
0: Yeah. And they're the ones that are going to lead the things like, and you need these as part of this process, right? Which is like the change management plan and the core message platform and, you know, how you're going to communicate and roll this out, you know, those playbooks and roadmaps and, you know, all all that kind of stuff, you know, kind of fall underneath, you know, timing, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of falls underneath uh, that group. So the other thing that's
1: really important, another lever that the Charter Script calls out, which I think is interesting, is operational workflows. Looking at your enterprise wide access processes, intake standards, et cetera, and kind of understand and map out responsibilities between customer experience and revenue cycle, for example, and other. Organizations that kind of contribute to this experience. Uh, I, I know that you've done this, read, but I, I, I do this as well, which is kind of create even like a, a, a visualization of the customer journey representing who does what at different points and even mapping in departments and technologies that are kind of su- supporting those. It helps tremendously to start to understand where there may be gaps, but it also shares a much more complicated picture and gets buy-in, so people can understand who does what throughout the entire workflow.
0: And if you're if you're an organization like where I am, where you've got multiple markets, multiple uh, brands, and entities, and you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, this is really where you start looking at operating policies and procedures and definitions of different you know roles and you know structures and you know how do you make that consistent uh, across the enterprise? You know, how do you prioritize the work? You know, et cetera. So. Uh, Next on the list, they do call out technology. And so, again, you've got to have technology to make this work. Uh, Obviously, it's not driving, uh, as we mentioned, not driving the strategy, but it's there to help execute, right? So you look at those key systems like, you know, your EHR. You know, you've got things like credentialing systems. You've got obviously the employee systems like Lawson or something like that. Maybe you're using Power BI or other types of programs for reporting and analytics. You've got to have this architecture in place. It's got to be integrated. you got to make sure you have the right partners in place to to really be able to deliver on this. Yeah, absolutely. And that in and of itself
1: is a very complicated and, and challenging situation. With this concept of having these advisory groups to kind of help support, drive the strategy, I've found a lot of success in developing those people that are responsible for the technology vendors to also talk to one another internally. Because inevitably, when there's going to be some technology company that's going to come and say, well, we could do this. That is a f- duplicative feature that may already be being delivered at a di- in a different technology. There has to be some kind of technology governance going on here, too. Right? So that's an important piece of this. And I think the last piece here, Reed, the most important piece here is performance management. You have to be able to measure and be accountable for the work that you're doing and report out. And that's not only to the work teams that are working on this, but managing it up, managing it across the organization, developing different types of dashboards or overviews that can be shared at the C-suite level, that can be shared at your level, peer level, peer-to-peer level, and even shared with those people that are at the front lines so they can understand that you're working towards an ultimate goal here. That in and of itself is also a very daunting task, but I think I would consider that a very important piece
0: of this. Yeah. I mean, that's where the accountability comes from. So again, if you've got the right KPIs in place, people are bought in, you've got all the stakeholders, the governance piece, you know, this, this kind of becomes part of that. So hopefully that was helpful. Uh, I I know uh, this idea of a consumer experience center, uh, maybe new, maybe we made this up, not really, but, (laughs) um, but this is just, you know, trying to kind of think of ideas to move us away from you know, we talk about moving away from point-based solutions in a marketing standpoint, you know, it's also as an enterprise, you know, how do we make this a more seamless experience for the consumer? And so this is kind of all part of that. So we'd love to, you know, thoughts, feedback, uh, ideas, you know, things that you're all working on. We'd love to love to hear more about that. Absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll
1: come right, we'll come back and after this break read and we'll close out the show.
0: All right. Uh, Well, it's time to wrap up the show. Good topic. Uh, Again, we'd love to hear from folks. If this is something that you're looking at, thinking about organizations involved in, or would love to know what your involvement looks like within these types of projects. So reach out. We'd love to hear from you. TPS report over at touchpoint.health, sign up for that. And uh, let's do a couple of recommendations and we'll call it a week.
1: Reed, I'm going to recommend something that I got under the Christmas tree this year from my wife. And i I actually really love it. She had to explain it to me when I first got it, but it's a book and it's called One Line a Day, a five-year memory book. And basically what it is, it's a kind of a thick book and it has from January 1st for the next five years, a section where you can write a line, a single line of something that is reflective of what's happening in your day. You can like a thought or an event that may have happened. It basically is like a five-year memory book, but you you memorialize that day in a single line of something that may have happened or a thought that was uh, on your mind or whatever it might be, a big momentous milestone in your life. And each page has every day of the year, January 1st, and then has uh, a section for the first year. 2023 then 2024 25 26 27 and the intention is is that you go through and each day you write a line and you do that for 5 years and then you have a 5 year memory book. Now I'm not a person that does diaries or anything like that. Yeah. And when I first saw that I was like wait this is something that I don't necessarily do. But then as I th- started to think about it I was like well of course I can commit to one line a day. Uh, it'd be an interesting mem- memory book, right? To have, so I'm going to recommend that.
0: It's a book called One Line a Day, a five year memory book. Nice, very nice. Yeah, I like that. I might get pull that off. Five years it still seems pretty daunting, but <laughs> um, <clears throat> but no, I think I could I could do the one line potentially. I'm going to recommend an Amazon show that I have not seen. Uh, oh, okay. I, <laughs> kind of. I mean, I have and I haven't. Anyway, it's just season three that I haven't seen jack ryan the jack ryan uh series Uh, that's on amazon um so i've seen one and two season three just came out so i'm excited to to watch that i love those jason bourne type uh, i'm trying to think what else to compare it to uh type shows you know i'm a big james bond guy so this is kind of right up my alley of, of those types of shows so anyway looking forward to that i might try to uh, see how many of those I can can get through uh, before you know heading back to to work uh, for the new year. But um, but yeah, Jack Ryan on Amazon.
1: I need to catch up with that series. I I stopped after season one, and uh, I saw season three came out. I I love them, so I'm gonna have to go back and catch up. And I guess you and I will do a watch, and then we'll, we'll report out on how season yeah. three was. There you go. There
0: you go. Well, uh, thanks, everybody. Uh, This was, yeah, uh, I guess, uh, episode one of season seven. I don't know, (laughs) something like that. But I appreciate the support and uh, thank you all for listening. We certainly uh, couldn't do it without you. Uh, Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you, see how things are going, and look forward to uh, connecting in the new year. So I hope everybody has a great start to 2023. Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.